Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you practical tools to successfully create. I'll also be interviewing author and publisher Sebastian Shug. Sebastian is on a mission to use his publishing platform to create an alternative for authors and artistic individuals to showcase their work. His story and publishing platform will inspire and reawaken your creative side. All of you listening today who want to publish your work need to connect with Sebastian. To learn more about Sebastian and his publishing house, please visit SebastianShugPublishing.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Practical tools to successfully create. This next lesson is an audio excerpt from an event I was asked to speak at regarding creativity. Remember, I always want you to be aware of what you're thinking, feeling, and doing. If I'm struggling in the moment and I want to do something very creative, there's really no way I'm going to be successful at doing it because my mind and my emotions are still focused on something that happened before. The irony of this particular lesson <laughs> is actually I had planned on doing this lesson earlier today, but unfortunately my website broke. So unfortunately I've been with customer service for about four hours and have not been able to be as creative as I would like to be. So I did chuckle quite a bit when I realized that this was going to be the lesson that I was teaching you today. When I discuss creativity, it doesn't necessarily mean creating a masterpiece of some sort. Being creative can simply be creating an alternate solution for problems you've had in the past, creating a viable response to someone who has done something to you. So there are many different ways in which we can be creative. So I just want us all to understand that we don't necessarily have to have some physical talent of some sort. But let's look at some practical tools there. If you're really busy and then you think, I'm going to do something really creative and really productive in this moment, if you're trying to do something in the wrong timing, well, then it's not going to be as successful as you'd like for it to be, and you're going to become frustrated. So timing is one of the most important things. What time of your day are you going to work on this creative venture? If you find that in the morning that you're really tired and you don't work well in the morning, well, then that's probably not the best time for you. Or in the evening, if you find you're just too exhausted, well, then that's not a right time either. So figuring out throughout the day which is the best time for you to be the most productive and most creative is going to give you the insight to determine when you should do this. 
Another really important thing is your space, the space itself in which you create. Did you realize that your environment influences how you think? When things are out of order, it subconsciously causes you to focus on that and not be able to give 100% attention to what you'd really like to do. So to be the most successful person you can be when it comes to being creative is make sure the environment in which you create is the most tidy that it can be. Sometimes if you're really struggling to come up with a different solution or perhaps just even being creative in general, is you want to sit in a different spot in that room. When you physically look at a different spot in the room, it actually causes you to think differently. One of the other things that's important is to create some type of ritual beforehand. For me as a composer, if I've been struggling all day and I just sit down and start to play the piano, I'm not going to be as creative as I would like to be because once again, my mind is still going to be focused on the things that were happening earlier in the day. Figuring out a way to create a sense of gratitude or a sense of stillness and calmness in your mind is going to help you then smoothly transition to a whole new clean slate in your mind. So figuring out some type of breathing technique or maybe some type of meditation or even journaling that's going to help you purge your mind from the emotions and the struggles you dealt with earlier to then really allow yourself to holistically focus on what you want to do next. Another thing to do is to remove all distractions. The more distractions you have, the less successful you're going to be in concentrating. One thing I would really caution all of us to be aware of is sometimes our expectations are too high in that moment. If you're trying to come up with a really good solution to a problem and you're not able to come up with it, sometimes that can cause frustration. Or perhaps you are an artist of some sort and you're trying to come up with something very creative, simply stop. Because the longer you try and force something, it won't come. And that creates more frustration within yourself. A lot of the techniques I've talked about today are things we already do already. But it is really good to stop and maybe retweak some of those things to make sure that we can enhance our experience even more. You have an amazing creative mind. Be sure to create the environment in which it can thrive. Are you an expert in your field or an author who wants massive exposure? I am now looking for self-development experts to be a promotional guest on Lifeology. Currently, Lifeology has an average listenership of over 3 million people per episode. If you are ready to invest in your brand and promote yourself on Lifeology, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest and apply for this opportunity. This is only for a limited time and only a select few will be chosen. So if you're ready to reach a global audience, then apply today. Simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash guest to apply. My guest today is Sebastian Shug, who is an author, illustrator, and publisher located within Los Angeles. Sebastian's mission is to use his publishing platform to create an alternative for authors and artistic individuals to showcase their work. His story and publishing platform will inspire and reawaken your creative side. Welcome to my show, Sebastian. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I am really looking forward to this. Your name is quite unique. Where did you come up with Sebastian? So Sebastian, I, I should say, where did my parents come up with oh. it? Uh, <laughs> my, my mother is uh, predominantly of Spanish origin. So the, uh, uh, Sebastian. The whole, exactly, Sebastian. So it was just a, a compromise of my first and last name, my last name being, of course, uh-huh. German, which is on my father's side. But uh, Oh, that yeah. is quite, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I, the reason why I ask is because when I was a young and upcoming actor when, when in my 20s, my, it's so embarrassing now, but my, um, my acting name was Sebastian de Vega. So when I saw that i was like oh, wow that's God. really cool but yours was actually named that mine was mine was a nom de plume if you will <laughs> that's quite embarrassing i can't believe i admitted that so now you have done so much in your young years it's amazing thank you so much yeah of course i know you're at university right now you're finishing up your last year which is fantastic 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite a strain, but I mean, everyone gets through it eventually. Uh, it's just <laughs> yes. a matter of pushing through. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you always know that you wanted to be in the in the publication world? Not at all. Uh, my original start was in animation because my original original start was in illustration, and I thought, oh, you know, uh, it'd be cool to make pictures move. <laughs> yeah. But when it came down to it, I took a few animation classes in high school, stuck with it for a while, and then I thought, you know, I, I could get a lot more done with still images, with new material of stuff coming from my own mind and it really just kind of fed into one into the other you know when i began with illustration i never thought i'd pursue writing as well but when i did it, it just went hand in hand one of your i guess one of the, the people who really inspired you renee gazarian renee gazarian yeah um so he was oh, he? Oh, okay. yeah <laughs> so he was the first person should i say that really brought me aboard into the whole professional business now uh -huh. this is no sort of you know professional person by any stretch of the imagination i don't mean that in a negative way yeah, it was just more so of an independently produced project where he hired me on to uh, be the illustrator whereas he wrote the books uh, the children's books that we would eventually publish known as the adventures of daniel now when one book turned into five five book five books turned into 30 it was just a matter of where do we go from there? And that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> where we really did is. go from there was eventually finding out how to publish properly. And mm -hmm. by publishing properly, I really do mean publishing our own way under our own terms. Yeah. The alternative publishing approach that I take was not always the route that we did because we thought that other platforms could do it for us. And they did for a while. Um, but then we just decided that it would be best to take the helm. Uh, take the reins, I should say, and uh, just just do it ourselves through our distribution channels. Yeah, and preparing for this interview, I, I was reading about the Adventures of Daniel, and I didn't realize that you were the illustrator on it. It's a it's a cute little book series. <laughs> it, th thank you. Yeah, my my art style has definitely changed since then, uh -huh. and I, I more I more or less cringe at the thought of this is how it used to look. But you know, everyone has to start somewhere. Oh so. my gosh, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. It's funny, even when uh, when I first started radio years ago, and I listened to the shows, I'm like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's quite funny. How old were you when you first started it with Renee, the Adventures of Daniel? I was about I was about 14 15 oh my gosh really yeah young. so it was uh no it, yeah no it it was a funny story to start off with i was just drawing in class and i thought i was going to get the boot for detention because it was a class where you know you pay attention or detention so to speak <laughs> so when my teacher was saying you know hey i really want to refer you to someone who's working on a children's book i thought you know i had never even held uh a contract, let alone a sketchbook and, and a yeah. pen in my hand. So <laughs> it was it was very much a shock to me that yeah. I was more so recognized than anything. You know, sure. at, at 15, I guess ego is a big thing to you. <laughs> like, I'm a published illustrator. Exactly, <laughs> <That's so funny>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's so different than, you know, when you look at your peers and, and your, you know, the fellow students at that time, how, how did that impact you? You know, in the beginning, I will admit, it was not so much I was doing the art for art for the sake of art. I was doing it for sake of vanity. And and I know it's a very vapid thing to kind of admit that, but you're 15 years old. You're, you're 15 years it. old and the world <laughs> seems incredibly large. And it's, yeah. it's easy to brag that, you know, you're the big man on campus because you have a published book when no one in their right minds at that age would even know how to begin yeah. that process. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm, of course, incredibly thankful for the opportunity I was given and still am given with my new venture today. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it definitely it definitely was a reality check as I got older. And I was like, you know what? I could be doing so much more to this than just doing it for myself. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you, because that's that's a quite an entrepreneurial endeavor that you're doing right now, creating your own publishing platform. How did you make that transition then to be the illustrator? And then to say, you know what, I am going to do this. And then now you have multiple venues or excuse me, multiple mediums in which you publish. Mm -hmm. Well, ironically, <laughs> I began doing it uh, through my own means, whereas it was like, you know, I don't want to do just illustration. So mm -hmm. then I began writing when I was in uh, when I was a senior in high school. And through that, I began to tackle new material, predominantly satire, uh, mm -hmm. which I still do to this day. But when I realized sort of the benefit of doing this same service for other people who more or less do want to do this type of work, but have no means or at least lack the know-how to do so, it just kind of took off from there of, okay, now I really need to start looking into the marketing side of this. Yeah. Well, that, not only that, but you're also the mentor as well. So you're helping people groom them into exactly. being the professionals that they are. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't consider myself like a full on mentor. Maybe that's just sort of the humble side of me, you know, one, well, you learned from 15. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't that's put funny. myself on a pedestal even to this day, but if I can help someone uh, accomplish these publishing goals, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to. Wow. That is awesome. What's different about your publishing platform than perhaps other platforms? Definitely the cost. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the cost, and again, not to call out certain, you know, boutique publishers, because that's what they're labeled as, you know, as the alternative mm -hmm. to traditional sit down with a literary agent, publish a book. I offer my service for no cost. Granted, I do take out a little bit of percentage once royalties do happen to come in once books are sold. But the enticing nature of offering this service at no cost, personally, I feel that publishing a book shouldn't have to be reliant on taking out a second mortgage, so to speak, mm -hmm. which, sure. is, which is what a lot of these boutique publishing services were. And I knew that paying this large, sump of, uh, large lump of money in the beginning, you were never going to see that amount back in royalties. Sure. You know, For any independent author, it's just not going to happen. And that's just kind of the brass tacks of things. So offering this platform for free, letting it take off, letting the audience grow, and more so the discovery of the book, which is all in all the most important part of any entrepreneurial endeavor, that would um, sort of propel it into, yeah. you know, hey, this is how, maybe it's not how it should go, but this is a new, this is a new avenue that I'm attempting. And People do like it. The authors and artists that have worked with me in the past, they do think that it's a good approach. They think it's a little bit risque that I'm not making any money up front. But, you know, it's like I said in the beginning, I, I was never in this for the money once mm -hmm. I grew up and became of a mature age to realize that, you know, I'm not doing this for vapid reasons. I'm not sure. doing this for, for vanity's sake anymore, at least. <laughs> well, one thing I really do like about the platform, just even, even hearing you talk about that is... When someone is perhaps going to these boutique publishing houses or, or with a literary agent or whomever, the the cost aspect of it could be really overwhelming. Yeah. So if you're trying to be in this creative space and then you're talking to certain individuals and having to say, oh my gosh, where am I going to come up with this money? Mm -hmm. Or now this additional stress that happens from a psychological approach, that really stifles one's creativity. 
And with that, it doesn't allow for them to fully vest their time and energy, the creative side rather, into the ability to write something or create something that, that they'd be able to publish. Right. Which I think is wonderful. I, th- I think that's absolutely great. The individuals that would want to work with you, what types of styles or genres would you work with? That's just kind of the thing where any and all types of genres or really any sort of genre-defining aspect or manuscript that someone has, I do really encourage it and welcome it to be published because you know, I feel like a lot of what holds one's own creative ambitions back is really oneself, right? Yeah. And whether or not they think that the material isn't that good or the manuscript isn't properly formatted, I mean, that can, that can all be ironed out. But when it came to me starting versus where it came to me being now with a multitude of genres from a multitude of authors, new and exciting genres, when they do come in, it lets me have a new perspective on something I probably never would have otherwise thought about. So interesting. I like that. You know, and kind of speaking from someone's own perspective as, you know, you know, like a heteronormative Caucasian male, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and getting these genres that, you know, sort of bend my own perspective of people who don't look like me or don't share my same life experiences. It's really interesting to see that flourish into their work and having these one-on-one, I sh- you know, I should say transparent relationships with my authors where I do talk to them on a regular basis, should they need me to publish something, you know, I, I would say that it's opened up a lot, a lot more doors in terms of how I see the world. That's wonderful. And I like that, that byproduct of that, of not only do you want to help them, but perhaps their craft is also influencing you or helping you be aware of perhaps maybe even blind spots you have that you didn't even know about. Definitely. Definitely. That is great. With your publishing platform, do you also have the ability to be a part of multiple different avenues or multiple different funding or production houses? Or As of now, I, I really do think that it can expand. At least I'm hoping it does. Yeah, of course it will. Yeah. Now, when it comes to different avenues of you know generating revenue, with publishing, it could be broken down into many different you know facets, such as mm-hmm. writing, illustrating, editing, publishing in a general sense, mm-hmm. and the audiobook element where narration comes into play. Oh, perfect. So when it comes down to what I offer as a whole, it could actually be broken down into at least five or six different parts where one per, uh, one element is exclusive to the rest should the person contacting me happen to need it. So if someone happens to need ghostwriting in particular or illustration or narration, they can hire that service of mine independent of itself. And I offer this not so much in a silent way, but more so as I get to know the person that I'm talking to, that I'm working mm-hmm. with. What one chooses to do with one's book is their own. Obviously, yeah. I can't publish something without anyone's consent. And through experiences of, no, I want it on this distribution channel versus that distribution channel. I want it just for myself. I want it out there in as many different distributors as possible. You know, I I began to work with that and offer services according to that based off of what I feel they need. Of course, I could be dead wrong and they only need one of those things. Yeah, That's fine. As long as the option is there in the first place, uh, you know, I do believe that there was a lot to mine from this uh, this general publishing block, Certainly. <laughs> as, as I've as I've uh, frequented as. Well, I, I like the fact. I mean, obviously they're coming to you because you've 
been doing this for a while. I mean, you have an expertise in it. Uh, I guess this goes back to, I really like the fact that anyone can come to you, that you work with so many different genres, so many different mediums, but also just, I, I really like the fact that it's cost up front, the costs are limited or the co- there's no mm. cost up front, I suppose. Right. I, I do think that really opens up a whole world of opportunities for you. In fact, I'm even thinking of some people right now I know who are working <laughs> on books that I will definitely recommend. Um, they give you a call and reach out to you. Thank you I very much. Yeah, yeah, of course, because I think that's wonderful. Uh, you know, because it is hard, especially when, like you said earlier, people don't have the funding stream. It is going to be very cost prohibitive. And most people don't have literary agents or aren't able to get to one, you know, knocking down a door of a literary agent. It can be very difficult. Um, and then, you know, there are certain places like online platforms who can take up the, whole, the majority of the of the profit that comes in. And so with that, you know, it, it, it can be very uh, frustrating for many types of individuals. Right, right. No, definitely. What would you say would be your most inspirational, I guess, lesson you've learned from all this? If there's any advice I could potentially give to any up and coming authors or artists or really any creative who is more or less pondering with an idea, it is just to start. And as bluntly as I can put it, as I mentioned previously, one's own in- inhibitions truly are one's own weakness, you know, so like to speak. That. So, true. And, and it sounds very cliche, it sounds very general, but I would rather have somebody send me a manuscript, send me anything with a whole bunch of errors, knowing deep down that this was what they had in mind. Mm -hmm. A lot of people believe that one's own first work should make an impression. And I really, I really don't think they realize that one's own first work should not make an impression on the audience, but more so to oneself, the one who wrote it. I like that. Speaking as someone from personal experience, do I like my do I like my early work? Absolutely not. <laughs> but what I regret, what I re- what I regret having published it in the first place? No, of course not. Yeah. And I yeah. feel that having it out there is not only a testament to where I've been, but also where I'm going. Sure, it's that journey. Yeah, exactly. Well, but I, I kind of piggybacking off what you said. If if someone is writing something and they automatically, you know, they they read it like, oh, this isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Well, even when it comes to the presenting it to the world, if they're not fully vested in it or happy about it, then unfortunately, the platform of which they're they're disseminating it, or in other words, just distributing it to everybody, right. that's going to be come with a low self esteem and insecurity as well. So you when you know, kind of just looking at your work and being proud of what you've created mm-hmm. and knowing that it probably isn't going to be perfect. You know, it's probably not going to be your, your, your flagship of your books, but it, but that also comes with, that comes with experience and learning how to be concise and consolidate all your thoughts into a very cogent, in other words, very concise type of manuscript. Right, right. And it's definitely very, I, I want to say the, the insecurities definitely do pile on and the self-esteem hits do pile on when you publish something for the first time and it just doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. That unfortunately comes with the territory of many independent authors and artists where it's not that your work isn't good. It's just that perhaps the marketing isn't there yet. You know, mm-hmm. And the keyword, the keyword is yet because I yes. do feel that a lot of people do give this up. When they realize, you know, oh, well, it's not generating any money. It's not generate, generating any sort of revenue or popularity, which, you know, again, with the whole vanity thing, a lot of people I do feel dabble in the arts because it will increase their social status of sure. themselves being a creative. Maybe that's the case, you know, yeah. and I'm not going to lie and sit here where I say that 
in certain instances that has been the case for myself. But growing up and seeing not only the you know exposure, the positive reinforcement that you do get, but also mm-hmm. sort of the reality of it all, it's very easy to get swept away. And it is also very difficult to ground oneself and to keep going. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it definitely is a dance to be able to do that. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I think in anything that may be potentially media-based, you do definitely have to be grounded in that. And I think it just goes back to what's your motivation for why you're doing something. If your motivation is to give the world what your your perspective on something, mm-hmm. then that's a beautiful thing. But if, it, if the byproduct is, a, or in other words, your foundation is, I want to be famous or I want this or that, more than likely, the depth of your work probably really won't be there because your motivation is is not as it's a little faulty, if you will. Exactly, yeah. And which is glad I kind of let that I left that mindset years and years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even when I write as well, that's always my my focus. What what is my goal? What's my objective? Because mm-hmm. when I do something, I want to be able to give myself and focus on that. And you know, whether people read it or not, I mean, it, it is what it is. But the right. point is, is I do it because it's it's my brand. It's who I am. It's, it's what my my calling is. And so that's something. I really do. So I'm glad to hear we're on the same page when it comes to really being mindful of your objective for when you do something. Of course. Right. I, yeah. it, I, I wish everyone sort of shared this whole motif of, <laughs> you know, the, the arts should be, should be made not only to produce a message, but to inspire one's own creativity, you know? Yes, definitely. I appreciate that. Well, Sebastian Shug, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. Thank you so much for telling us about your publishing platform. I can't wait for people to work with you. Like I said, I know I will be sending your information to people I know. So I definitely recommend my listeners when you get his contact information in just a second, you reach out to him, not only for you, but also for your family and friends as well. Sebastian, if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to work with you, where would they find all this information online? In general, they can find me at www.sebastianshugpublishing.com. If you just look up Sebastian Shug on Google, you should be able to find not only myself, the plethora of books that I have published, but as well as my publishing company, Sebastian Shug Publishing. As far as social media handles are concerned, I could be found at both Twitter and Instagram at D-R-S-E-B-B-Y, Dr. Sebi. Twitter has the underscore in the middle of Dr. and Sebi. And as well as that, I am also the co-host of the Mars on Life podcast, which could be found in a variety of different places. Uh, that's Mars on Life with hosts Sebastian Shug, as well as my co-host Ryan Mancini. It is updated every single week. It can be found on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. Wonderful. Well, if my listeners aren't able to find any of the information, just simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv, and it will link you directly with Sebastian. Sebastian, once again, thank you so much for your wisdom. I really appreciate all your time. Thank you so much for having me. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.